attempt us to turn our back on God and be frustrated and angry with God. And we see a bunch of that going on in the world today. But what James says is that when we endure those temptations, those challenges, we will be blessed. For when he is tried, our challenges try us. They test us. It's difficult. These things are not always easy. Health problems are not easy. Deaths are not easy. Death is our enemy. Those things are very real and very challenging. But he says when we are tried, we shall receive the crown of life. That's the promise of God. And we've got to remember that. You know, and we can talk about these things when things are good. And when we have no challenges particularly in our life, and that's great. And we need to do that. But when things are challenging, that's when we've got to hang on to this idea and this concept. We will receive the crown of life because the Lord hath promised it. We can depend on it. We know God's not like man. He keeps his promises. And he has promised this crown of life to those that love him. I know it's essentially the same idea, but the apostle John expresses it this way in 1 John 2 verse 25. And this is the promise that he hath promised us, even eternal life. You know, and what that reminds us of, or what it should remind us of, is the fact that this body and this life is temporal. And everything about this life is temporal or temporary. So when things are good, you can be certain that's temporary. It's not gonna always be good. When things are bad, you can be certain that it's not gonna always be bad. It's temporary. And so that's why we need these spiritual promises that God has given us and we need to hang on to those promises so that we can overcome these temporary challenges. And God has promised that to those that love and obey Him. 2 Corinthians 6, verse 18. Here the Apostle Paul says, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. And then verse one of chapter seven, he continues and says, having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. So there's a couple of ideas I want us to notice here. Obviously the first one is that when we come to God and we obey God, He adopts us. We're His children. We are joint heirs with Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son. And He treats us like His children. He loves us like His children. He provides for us like His children. You know, as earthly parents, we're flawed. We just are. But we love our children and we do everything we can for our children. 
as Christian parents, we do that. But God does it flawlessly. And we are his children. And if that doesn't comfort you today, it should. <coughs> the other thing I want to emphasize here in these, this reading is that these promises of God are conditional. We can't just go out and live a life of sin and then be angry that God hasn't blessed us. When he clearly says we have these promises, but they're conditional. We've got to be pursuing a life of righteousness and doing the things that God has asked us to do. Let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit and desire or pursue holiness in the fear of God. And if we do those things, we can be absolutely certain that God's going to keep his promise that he has given us. And he's going to provide, and he's going to love, and he's going to take care of his children. In Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 12, Gerald mentioned this in his prayer this morning. But he says very clearly, for I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. Now, as we've already mentioned, the, these promises of God, this promise of eternal life is conditional. It's conditional on the fact that we have the blood of Jesus to take our sins out of the way. And we access that blood of Jesus when we obey the gospel in baptism. And we have that blood of Jesus that continually cleanses us. And what it does, in effect, is it allows God to do what Hebrews 8 and 12 tells us he will do. Their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. Now, that's important in so many different levels. First of all, it reconciles us to having a relationship with God. Secondly, God has no memory of the sin that we commit. And third, we can have a clear conscience because God doesn't remember it, because God has forgiven it. We can have a clear conscience and we can keep going forward. We're gonna make mistakes, yes. But because God has forgiven us, we can keep pressing forward and we can forgive ourselves and we can forgive others. And it all hinges around this idea that God has forgiven us. What a fantastic and tremendous promise of God. First John 5 and verse 14. And this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hear us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. We have the promise from God that he will hear our prayer. Now, again, this is conditional. And we don't always know what God's will is. That's why when we pray, we frequently say, thy will be done. We, we don't know. We know what we want. We know what we think's best. 
but we don't always know what God's will is. But he wants us to tell him what we want. We, he wants us to tell him what we think is best. And then he wants us to accept the answer through our prayer. But the promise is he's going to listen. He's going to hear our prayer. You know, one of the things going on in our country today is apparently there's a lot more praying going on than has gone on recently. And that's a good thing. But again, I believe Gerald mentioned it in his prayer this morning that, you know, things are going to get better. And when they do, I hope people remember, will remember and continue to look to God and remember how desperately we need God. And if we can do that as a country, it's going to improve our lives. You know, as we look at some of the specific challenges that are going on right now in the world, you know, we look at that and, and we say, and the solution to our problem is for this virus to just go away. That's what we need. We need it to just go away. Well, that's our perspective. And we need to ask God. We need to tell God that's what we want. We want this virus to go away. It's hurting people. It's harming people. There's people dying. And we want it to go away. And we can be confident that he's going to answer that prayer according to his will. And then we need to accept the answer to the prayer and keep pressing forward in doing what we're supposed to be doing. And not be discouraged because we don't necessarily get the answer we want when we want it. Hebrews 4 and verse 16, the writer says, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace. He's talking about prayer here. Don't hold back. Don't hesitate. Continue to take your prayers before God with boldness that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Do you see the dynamic? We take our petitions and our requests and we put them in front of God and say, please, Lord, this is what we want. But then he gives us the mercy and grace to deal with whatever the answer is. And it's a beautiful thing and it's a promise of God that we can depend on and that we can rely on as we walk in this world and face these challenges. John 16 and verse 33, the words of Jesus, he says, these things I have spoken unto you that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. So this is how big God is. We know he created all of this world, the world and anything going on in the world is not bigger than God. And what Jesus says is, these things I have spoken unto you. So go to John 16 and start reading if you want to know more about the things he spoke to. But he said the reason that he did that was so that they could have peace. And I just want to tell you that I, I've told 
this group before that you need to turn the TV off. But I want to tell you, if you can watch the news without being upset about it, I, by all means, keep doing that. But if it's disturbing to you, you need to turn it off and start looking at the good news. The good news is the promises of God. The good news is what we find in Scripture. And that's the antidote to all the fear and the restlessness and all of the negative emotions that so many people seem want to promote and, and pursue. We've got to stop if we want to have peace. We don't want to get the turmoil out of our lives. We've got to go to Jesus. He's overcome all of that. And we have this promise. If you keep looking to the world, guess what? You're going to have tribulation. It's going to try your ability to manage your emotions. But Jesus has overcome. And we can have peace regardless of what's going on. We can have peace because of the promises of God. That's just a very short list. There's many, many other promises of God we find in Scripture that we can look at with a spiritual perspective. But I want to look at some other promises as well. Before I do that, I want to go to Daniel chapter 3. Daniel chapter 3, we have the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I'm going to assume that most of you are familiar with this story. If you're not, I would encourage you to go read that Daniel chapter 3. But these three men are Jews, and they have been taken in captivity. and They're, they're living in a foreign land. I, I don't know that it's specifically stated there in the text, but you would have to assume this is not the circumstance that they preferred. They would have rather been in Israel, at home. But that's not where they were. So they were in this foreign land, and they were serving King Nebuchadnezzar. Well, <clears throat> Nebuchadnezzar decided he was an idolater, so he decided he was going to build this idol, and he, he builds this huge statue idol, something over... I believe it something around 90 feet tall. I mean, it's a huge thing. And when he has that completed, he declares that everybody, when the music starts playing, that everybody in town is supposed to fall down and worship this idol. Well, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were faithful Jews. And they couldn't do that. And they knew they couldn't do that. And they just decided, we're going to do what's right. Well, they had enemies. And so the enemies go to the king Nebuchadnezzar and say, okay, so these three guys are serving you, but they're not falling down and worshiping that idol like you commanded. And so Nebuchadnezzar calls them in and says, look, guys, this is the law. And you're either going to do it or you're going to get cast in this burning, fiery furnace. So what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were faced with in a very real sense was being thrown into the fire. 
and being burned up. Now, this is their response in Daniel 3, verses 17 and 18. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, but if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. I want to be very clear here that these three guys were suffering religious persecution, and that's not what we're faced with today in our country. We, we are free to worship God, and we're thankful for that. But they are faced with a huge challenge here, similar to the challenge we're faced with and the choices we're faced with. Now, we want God to deliver our country from the ravages of this virus, right? That's what we want. And that's what we need to pray for. But we need to remember that God can do what God wants to do. But we need to remember what he, they said here. They wanted to be delivered from that furnace. They had no idea though, whether God was gonna deliver them or not. We look back and we say, man, that's an awesome story. But when they made this statement, they just laid it out there. We're going to do the right thing. It doesn't matter if God delivers us from that furnace or not. We're going to do the right thing. And that's what you and I have to do today. We have to trust God. And we have to allow God's promises to affect our attitude in effect, what we do and the way that we respond to challenges that we have. They just decided it don't matter. If you throw us in that fire or not, we're not gonna bow down to that idol. Well, and we know the rest of the story. Of course, you know, it made Nebuchadnezzar exceedingly angry and he told them to heat it up seven times hotter than it had ever been before. He ordered them thrown in, the, furnace and it killed the guys that took them to throw them in there and God made them fireproof. And the, the Bible says when they came out of there they didn't even have the smell of smoke. And we love that story but the moral of the story is to trust God. Whichever way it goes, we trust God. And when we have those spiritual promises that we just talked about, what happens to us physically, yes, it, it's difficult and causes difficulty, but it, at the end of it, we have God's spiritual promises. And let's not forget that and not abandon those in times of difficulty. But we do have some physical, carnal, earthly promises as well. And we can depend on these, just like we can the spiritual ones. We're going to start here in Matthew 5 and verse 45, where he says that you may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. Now remember earlier we read in 1 Corinthians where he talked about us being God's children. Well, this is what that means. For he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. 
God's going to provide for us. The sun's going to come up. The sun's going to set. The seasons are going to come and go. We're going to have seed time and harvest. All of that's going to continue. And we can depend on that. And God is going to make that happen regardless of all of these things that seem to threaten us in some of those ways. We can depend on that promise. Matthew 6 and verse 30, beginning of verse 30. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you? We've got to pay attention, people. O ye of little faith. He identifies their problem here. They didn't have enough faith. They weren't walking by faith. They were walking by what was in front of them. They were walking by how much stuff they could have. They were walking by the abundance that they could put together. And they could depend on that to take care of them through hard times. And people, that's what happens to us when we don't have enough faith. We'll go start hoarding stuff. And that has a negative effect on everybody in the community. And we need to stop. And we need to walk by faith and we need to trust God that he's going to keep his promises and he's going to take care of us. And we need to act right. And we need to stop being ugly and harsh and whatever else we're tempted to do, we need to be kind. God's going to take care of us. Where's your faith? Where's my faith? He goes on to say, take no thought, saying, what shall we eat? Now, that's what we're doing. I know what I'm talking about because I'm challenged in this way. But I'm not worried about whether or not I'll have something to eat today. I will. I'm worried about two months from now, six months from now. Isn't that exactly what he's telling us not to do? Stop worrying about that stuff. God's promise is going to provide that, what we need. What shall we eat or what shall we drink or wherewithal shall we be clothed? You know, it's been interesting to me as these things have ratcheted up and different things have been closed. And, and I, I don't have this all necessarily in the exact order, but one of the first things that got shut down was sports and entertainment. Oh no, that's, that's some of the most important. If you, if you look based on the amount of money people make, that's some of the most important stuff in our country. Well, apparently not. It got shut down. And I don't know why. As far as I know, people are still eating and having clothes and having water to drink. God knows what we need. We know what we want, but we lose sight sometimes of what we need. And we get all stressed out about what we want and forget the promise of God to provide what we need. He goes on here in Matthew 6 to say, for after all these things do the Gentiles seek. What things is he talking about? He's talking about making priority of earthly things. That's what he's talking about. 
And he's trying to get them to understand that's what worldly, earthly people do. And we're not. We're God's children. He's promised to take care of us. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. He knows what we need. And he's promising to provide those things. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. I can't even tell you how many times I've heard these verses in my lifetime. Thousands, I'm guessing. And I, I continue to struggle with all of this stuff. And that's why it's there, because God knows we're going to struggle with it. And it's why we keep talking about it, because we're struggling with it sometimes. And we need to remember what God has promised. And it'll change our behavior. It will change your life. It will change your emotions. If we remember what God has promised, he's going to take care of us. We can't take care of ourselves anyway. And we get to thinking that we can, and we forget the promise of God. Second Corinthians 7 and verse 6, the Apostle Paul says, Nevertheless, God, that comforted those that are cast down, comforted us by the coming of Titus. You know, there's been a lot of a lot of conversation recently about this whole social isolation thing and how, how it affects people, how it affects their emotions. And for particularly introverted or extroverted people, it's a huge challenge. So all of a sudden, you, you just don't have the social interaction that you're used to. And I wanted to point that out here because Paul was comforted by the coming of Titus. And that's one of the benefits that we get from being together. And as Gerald said in his opening remarks today, that we're not together physically, but we can be together in mind. And that's what we hope to accomplish today. But we won't, don't wanna forget the value of being physically together because Yes, I hope to be able to utter words of comfort today, but it's much better when you can do that person to person. And I think that's what Paul is talking about here. When he was able to actually socially interact with Titus, it was a comfort to him. And we look forward to being able to do that in the near future. Philippians 4 in verse 19. I love the chapter of Philippians 4. The Apostle Paul talks about joy and how to have joy. He talks about how to have mental discipline. Uh, he talks about how he learned to be content. He learned to be content whether he had a lot or whether he had a little. He learned to be content. And then he says this in, in verse 19. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. I probably should have read this one after Matthew 6 because I think there's a direct connection. 
When what Jesus said in Matthew 6 was that, that God knows what you need and he's going to provide that. Same thing the Apostle Paul saying here. God will supply your need. And he's not going to be stingy about that. He's our Father. He blesses us greatly. You know, and I know you can look at this and say, well, he's probably talking about spiritual things there. I believe it's all your need. Spiritual, physical, emotional, mental. I believe God provides everything we need if we'll let him. If we're out there looking at it from a worldly perspective, we're shutting God out. We're not allowing God's promises to affect us like they should. And we need to stop and we need to turn our eyes back to God and back to his promises and what he will do for us. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptation and preserve the unjust under the day of judgment to be punished. God's promised. He's promised that way of escape. It, it has a very real application for every one of us on a daily basis. When we're faced with choices in life, we can make the right choice because God has promised to deliver us from temptation. He hasn't promised to take the temptation away. He's promised to deliver us from it. We've got to find it and we've got to take that path. It's a promise of God. 2 Timothy 1 and verse 7, For God had not given us the spirit of fear. A lot of fear in our country right now. You know, and it's always that way when things are unknown and uncertain. That's when fear gets a hold of us. But what is certain are the promises of God. And they're not unknown. They can be known. And they are known. And we need to be looking at those. And we need to be getting rid of the fear. The fear is coming from Satan. It's not coming from God. What God has given us is power and love and the ability to manage our life in a way that we can honor him. We can make the right choices. We can do good things. We can help others. We can be kind. He's given us the power to do that. And when we get about doing the things that God has asked us to do, the fear will go away. And ultimately, as we look at this whole idea of God's providence and Him, promising us certain things and keeping them, we've got to remember Romans 8 and verse 28. It's going to work out. We forget that. We ignore that because it just, we just don't see how it can work out. How, the, how in the world it, it's going to work out? That's the promise of God. Don't forget it. So we've spent a lot of time talking about some of the different promises. And as we wrap up this morning, I want to talk a little bit about how we respond. 
to God's promises. Because at the end of all of this discussion and talk, that's really all that matters. I haven't said anything today that you haven't known, heard many, many times. But what can change today is how we respond. How are we going to respond to God's promises? In Romans 4, verse 20, speaking of Abraham, the Bible says he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. Do you think when God made him those promises that he thought, oh, yeah. it says he didn't stagger at it. He didn't hesitate, apparently. He didn't say, well, I'm however old he was. I'm way too old to have a kid. He was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded what he had promised, he was also able to perform. And that's what we've got to do today. We've got to be fully persuaded that what God has promised to you and I, he's going to do. Are you fully persuaded? Am I fully persuaded? Then we have this in Hebrews 10 and verse 36. For ye have need of patience, that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise, okay? So sometimes our problem when it comes to embracing God's promises is we're just impatient. We want it now. We've got to have it now. We've got to be patient, folks. As I said earlier, whether things are good or bad in this life, it's a temporary thing. And if we'll be patient, it's going to work out. Romans 8, 28. But you've got to be patient that you might receive the promise of God. Righteousness. We can't embrace and believe what Jesus said in Matthew 6 if we are unable to set aside our desire for stuff. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. God's not going to forsake us. He will not forsake us. That's his promise. But if you're all tore up about because you're afraid of losing your stuff or your ability to get more stuff, there's a sin problem here, people. That's what he's identifying. And he's saying, let your life, your manner of life, be without covetousness. And the antidote to that is to be content with such things as you have. If we can do that, then we can boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do to me. All of this turmoil in the world is not going to make us afraid. 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 8, God is able to make all grace abound toward you that ye always having all sufficiency in all things 
may abound to every good work. And that's our goal today. With every challenge comes opportunity. And if we're shrinking back because of the size of the challenge, we're missing opportunities. And God has promised to give us all sufficiency. He gives us everything we need to abound in every good work. And he's doing that today, just as he has in the past, and he's gonna to continue to do that. Let's embrace the promises of God. Finally, 2 Corinthians 1 and verse 20. For all the promises of God in him are yea, and in him, amen, unto the glory of God by us. We're gonna embrace the promises of God and we're going to say, yes, I believe it. I believe like Abraham did that he is able to do what he's promised to do. And then we're going to glorify God because of his promises. Now he which established us with you in Christ and hath anointed us is God. Who hath also sealed us and given the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. Now folks, if we're unable to read God's word and feel better about what God's promised to do, we're not letting the spirit do its work because that's what he's promising us here. When we look at God's promises, the things that he's going to do and the things that he's told us he's going to do, that should enable us to overcome fear and every challenge that we have in our life. And if we continue to struggle, we're not letting the Spirit do what it's able to do. So I hope as we conclude our thoughts today that we'll all do a better job of embracing and believing and living out God's promises. That's our study today. We normally at this time offer an invitation, but we don't have a group here to offer that invitation to. So we wanna make a broader invitation. I've got a slide here where I've listed all the elders and their phone number. The elders are here to serve. We're going to do everything we can to continue to serve our congregation and our flock. But we need you if you need something to reach out. And it doesn't matter if your need is spiritual, if you have a physical need, we've got a whole group of people that are ready, willing, and able to serve. And we wanna make a plea that you reach out if you need something. Uh, our phone numbers are there, our phone names and numbers are in the directory as well. So please let someone know if there's some way that we can be of assistance to you. Thank you again for being a part of our assembly today. God bless you in the week to come and as you face the ongoing challenges that are part of our life currently. And we, we continue to pray and look forward to, to better times.